0: Let me begin this morning by saying good morning, Faith. It is good to see you all in the house of the Lord on this morning. I am grateful uh, to be able to stand before you on this morning to preach the Lord's Word. Uh, A couple of things um, off the top. Let me... (laughs) Uh, last week after the service, uh, my bubble was completely burst. Now what I mean by that is you will recall those of you all who were here. Um, I started off last week in the pulpit and I gave you some uh, some news that our house had not closed just yet and um, and that was sad because... My children and I, we were hoping to go get some crab cakes, but we couldn't. And then, when I started off the sermon, I talked a little bit about how, well, I highlighted how I did not like mayonnaise. (laughs) Somebody got the connection. (laughs) And so I leave, or after the sermon is concluded, I go outside and someone, and I won't say who that person is, but I'll look in the direction in which they normally sit. (laughs) But they they said, Pastor, uh, I don't, I guess you don't know, but Maryland crab cakes have mayonnaise in them. (laughs) And so, I was just messed up after that. And they tried to make it easy on me. They were like, well, it's cooked, so it's not the creamy stuff. But I left with a dilemma. <laughs> For one, I was thinking, Lord, I just messed up the sermon. I should have prepared better, because if I did, I would have known. <laughs> but then I'm like, what are we going to do about the crab cakes? The house has been closed upon. Thank you. Thank you so much for persevering with my family and I uh, as we were trying to sell our home in New Orleans. Uh, We closed on Monday, so that burden is no longer hanging over our heads. And yes, Friday we had crab cakes, (laughs) me included. (laughs) So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has been praying. Uh, I especially want to thank the session and the women leaders who sit with the session for persevering with me and also the staff as we prayed consistently together on these things. Thank you, thank you so much. By the way, before we uh, jump into this word, um, I should have done this a week or two ago, but I wanted to thank all of the ministry fair folks who put together their uh, tables and uh, got all that information together to present to the people. I want to thank you all for the work that you did. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I also want to thank those who signed up. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for signing up. And by the way, uh, for some of you all who may not have signed up and you're still contemplating and thinking, uh, know that there is still room and opportunity for you to serve. You can see the Connections Desk. As a matter of fact, by way of example, I know Plan, specifically the Learning Center, they are in need of a couple more volunteers for Wednesday and Thursday, and uh, they really need these volunteers so that children need not be turned away. So that's one example of ministry still waiting. So please go see the Connections Desk if you are still pondering and thinking, but be involved. Be involved. Amen? All right, that being said, brothers and sisters, um, we finished 1 John last week, and today we start a series titled Love in Action. Now, the reason behind that, in John, for example, 1 John, uh, love was one of the things that John really highlighted, but he took a bird's eye view. In other words, it was very general for the most part. Love God, love your brother or your sister. And we're deciding, or we've decided, those who help me preach from time to time, that we are going to take that love idea and we're going to bring it closer to home. So what does it look like to love God? What does it look like to love a brother? What does it look like to love an enemy? We're going to work with that uh, over these next few sermons. Uh, It'll be eight sermons altogether. This will lead us into Advent, and then after Advent is done uh, in January, uh, the sermons will be tailored more toward the vision. So that's just a little idea of where we're going uh, sermon-wise. Amen? With that said, if you're physically able, please rise for the reading of the word. This morning's word comes from Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 18. So I'll read this in your hearing. I'll pray, and then you can take your seat afterwards. Amen? Amen. The word of the Lord reads as follows. After these things, God tested Abraham... And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, And he took his hand, uh, He took in his hand the fire and the knife, so that they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And Isaac said, uh, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? <laughs> Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on top of the altar uh, on the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, "Abraham, Abraham." And he said to him, "Here I am." And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have uh, obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Father, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to look into your word. Father, we pray now that your Holy Spirit will help us to digest this word, help me to preach your word, and for those who are hearing, I pray indeed that you will help their hearts and their ears to hear what it is you might have to say. Father, we thank you so much for this time, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. The title for this morning's message is simply A Love Worth Sacrificing. Why don't you say that with me? A Love Worth Sacrificing. One more time. A Love Worth Sacrificing. This uh, portion of scripture is uh, a very interesting portion of scripture. It is one that uh, has caused a great deal of debate and discussion and uh, lively debate and discussion. And of course, it's not my intention to to discuss all of the debates and all of that regarding this portion of text. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you will do well to know uh, that this text has Uh, been uh, discussed plenty of times uh, since it has been written. Now, before we look at uh, portions of this specific text, you you would do well, I would do well to be mindful of the context before we deal uh, with certain portions of this text. So, if you're not familiar with the story, Abraham and Sarah they are called by God a few chapters prior. And what's interesting is Abraham, or Abram, uh, which is what he was referred to at, the t- at that time, uh, he and his wife were uh, elderly. They were old. In many ways, Abraham was past his prime. And it's amazing, God can take whoever and do whatever it is he wants. God is powerful, amen? And you see that in Abraham's calling. But nonetheless, Abraham and Sarah, they are, they are elderly folks. Uh, Abraham would have been uh, roughly 75 years old in Genesis 12. And Abraham, uh, rather Sarah, she is roughly 10 years younger than Abraham. And God calls to Abraham and he says, in essence, you know, I want you to leave your father's land and I want you to follow me and I'm going to do some marvelous things and I'm going to bless you and all of these wonderful things. And by the way, you and your wife, y'all are going to have a child. Remember, 75, the husband, the wife, Roughly 65, somewhere thereabout. He says, I'm going to give you a child. And up until this particular time, the the, the closest thing that, that Abram would have had to a son would have been his nephew Lot. But they would eventually part ways. But nonetheless, 75 years old, Abraham is promised a child. And uh, by all indications, of course, Abraham believes. Now, uh, this is not something that I don't think they wouldn't have discussed and been like, well, how is this going to happen? I mean, as a matter of fact, his wife Sarah, uh, she uh, laughed, which would be Isaac's name or the meaning of his name, laughter. Like, how in the world are we going to have children at this stage? But yet, this was one of the promises made to Abraham, 75 years old. Now, what's interesting is it does not happen immediately after. It doesn't happen nine months after the promise, the proclamation. Years begin to go by. Years begin to go by. And, and they concoct a plan, you know, roughly 10, 11 years later. It's like, Lord... You made this promise, and it is yet to come to pass. So, uh, maybe what God meant was that we need to be creative in this. And Sarah is realizing, I'm getting a little older myself, and if it's hard at 60-something, it's going to be even harder at 70-something. And so they concoct a plan and Sarah, uh, Sarah says, you know, why don't you take my maid, servant, my slave girl, Hagar, and have a child with her? And of course they do. And Ishmael is born. So Abraham is roughly 86 now. 86 years old when Ishmael is born. And, 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 and God comes and he says, you know, that was not what I was talking about. <laughs> Your wife, Sarah, is going to have a child. And again, this, you know, Sarah's like, <laughs> this is funny. I, me have a child? And again, you have to, 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 to appreciate this particular text. You have to understand this is years in the making. God promised Abraham at 75 he's going to have a child. He's 86 now. He concocted a plan. That was not what God was trying to communicate to him. It would not be until Abraham was around 100 years old, Sarah roughly 90 years old, when Isaac would actually be born. God's promise Age 75, fulfillment 100. God's timing (laughs) is not always our timing. But you do see the almightiness of God in this, don't you? God can do whatever, whenever, however. That's what sovereignty is all about. So God fulfills this plan. And the chapter previous to this, mind you, God has given Abraham, he's blessed Abraham, the child is finally here. And prior to this episode, there's some issues that arise between Sarah and, and Hagar and Ishmael and Isaac. And, and, and Sarah's like, you know what, Sarah, uh, Hagar and Ishmael, they got to go. And Abraham this bothers him this troubles him and he doesn't want to do it it takes God showing up and say listen to your wife I'm going to bless the t- <laughs> someone said mm <laughs> <laughs> Amen <laughs> Amen <laughs> Unless you're a Job wife, but well, 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 that's another sermon. If you know the story, you know what I'm saying. But let me, let me circle back. Let me circle back. I ain't got that much time, y'all, so y'all stay with me. So, so God says, listen to your wife. I'm going to take care of Ishmael. I'm going to take care of Hagar. But the promise that I'm after is going to come through Isaac. And the reality is most commentators believe, and if you look through the rest of scriptures, it was not helpful for them to be together because there would be conflict that would arise. And you saw uh, seeds of that even prior to Ishmael leaving. So not only did Abraham lose Lot, which was like a son to him, he lost Ishmael. And now we come to chapter 22, and God says, I want you to sacrifice your son. By the way, look at verse number 2, and verse number 2 is what's going to drive my application, which we'll get to here shortly. Verse number 2, he says, uh, God says, take your son, your only son, Ishmael is gone, Isaac, whom you what? Uh, A couple of people can read. Let me do that again. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. As a side note, this will be the mountain where the temple is built, Solomon's temple. But nonetheless, God made promises to Abraham, and now all of a sudden, it seems as though he's removing key elements of the promise. God, you said my descendants would be many. My offspring would be large. And yet, you are removing the little that I have. The two sons that were born to me, you are asking for them to be, to be removed. How in the world is this going to happen? And as the rest of the story goes, and I'm not going to reread everything, he, he obeys Abraham, the man of faith. He takes his son. And what's so ironic, and and, and and this is more of a study note, this is, you know, I, I wonder, what is Sarah thinking? Uh, not, it was Sarah, yes. What is Sarah thinking? <laughs> but that does that, just, you, you ponder that yourself, but what, uh, you know, Abraham, he obeys. He goes and he gets his son, gathers his people, gather, gathers the wood and all of that. And mind you, Abraham at this point would have, been, would have been walking with the one true living God roughly 30 years or so now. It really depends on how old Isaac was. I am one who believes that he might have been a teenager. There are, again, plenty of commentaries, debates, discussions about how old he would have been. In my opinion, and again, the commentaries that I prefer, uh, I, I take the view that he would have been roughly a teenager. Partly because he's carrying wood and doing all of that. But nonetheless, that's, I don't want to get sidetracked. I don't want to argue about that. But he obeys he takes his son, and in essence, he is trusting the God that he's been work, walking with for some time. He's seen his God in action. He knows that his God, he's trusting that his God is able to do the impossible. Now, my, in my judgment, my, my, and this is not original to me, of course, if I read Hebrews chapter 11 back into this, It says in Hebrews 11 that he was willing to do this because he understood and believed that God could raise Isaac up from the dead. And I I believe on some level that that might have been communicated to Isaac. That's my theory, my opinion. I don't necessarily see Isaac as kicking against his father and what in the world's going on and all of that kind of stuff. But that's, again, my theory. But the bigger point is Abraham trusted God enough to obey him when on on face value this doesn't make sense. And this is a side, side point. God often asks us to do things that does not make sense to our natural persons. And I've said this before in different occasions. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense to forgive someone who is continuing to hurt me. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense to be patient and to be still and know that God is the Lord when everything around me is moving quickly and I feel the need to keep up. God often requires and asks and demands certain things of us that our flesh will kick against. But again, Abraham, who has been intimately walking with God, trusts God enough to obey him, even though this request seems so wild and crazy. Yes, child sacrifice, that would not have been something that that was new in the culture and in that particular world. But again, this did not make sense in light of God's promise to Abraham. But I remind you, Abraham had been walking with God enough to trust him and believe him. And so again, as the rest of the story goes, he takes Isaac up and he's getting ready to take him out. And yet, the angel of the Lord stops him and says, Hey, I know that you fear God. Don't do this. And a ram is provided and then promises are reaffirmed for Abraham. Now, what does this have to do with love in action. What, 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 what is the connection? And again, there's so many different ways I could go with this specific text. This, it's, a, it's a buffet of things, if you will. But verse number two, again, drives my, my practical side of this message. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. This in many ways, is an act on Abraham's behalf. This is he loving God as well. Remember, Jesus in the gospel says, if you love me, you will what? If you love me, you will what? Obey my commands. Even when they're hard, even when they don't make sense, If you love Jesus, you will follow Jesus. You will do what it is that Jesus asked you to do. Yes, it's hard, but He provides the Holy Spirit to help. Abraham is reflecting this principle. God, He loves His son Isaac. We'll come to that. He loves His son Isaac. This is not just some happenstance statement, this is intentional. Take your only son whom you love and sacrifice him. And Abraham, out of his trust, his faith, his love for God, obeys him. Now, as we shift to some practical things, the first thing I want you to consider. I want for you and I want for myself, I want to ask us the things that we love in life. And let me, I don't want to run too quickly past this. I want you to take a second and think about the things you love. And I'm not talking about idolatry or anything of that nature. Abraham is not committing adultery by loving Isaac. But think about those things you love. It could be a person. It can be a thing. It could be something you love to do. Think about something or some things that you love dearly and deeply. And whatever those things or those people might be, I want to remind you that these are gifts given of God Almighty. That seems very, oh, of course. But we have to remind ourselves of these things. When the people through Moses were leaving Egypt and walking through the desert, God says, when you get in that land, don't you forget who it is that brought you into that land. And when God blesses us with things that we love, maybe it's a nice walk through the park. Maybe it's some type of food. Maybe it's, of course, a person or whatever. These things are gifts given of God. And this is one reason, in addition to those that I've mentioned, why Abraham could offer sacrifice, can offer Isaac. To God. He knows while Isaac is his son, Isaac is a gift given from God. And as a result, he recognizes, I I believe, in some in some sense or another, that while, again, Isaac is his son, Isaac truly belongs to God. And so whatever it is that we love, whomever it is that we love, we should be reminded daily that it is uh, God, these are gifts given from God. And as a result, we should acknowledge God for the things that we love. Amen? Whatever it is you love, see it as a gift given from God. The second thing I would remind you and remind myself of is that we can trust God with the things that we love. Amen? And again, this this, from an application standpoint makes more sense with certain things than others. But nonetheless, Abraham loves Isaac. Isaac is a gift from God. In this episode, we see God, or we see uh, Abraham trusting God with his son, Isaac. And the question becomes, for me, you know, by, is, is, I say this, and, and I, I should make sure I say this publicly. My children need to hear, not just me and them intimately, that I love them. But they need, you, they, they need to hear that in a public setting. I love my babies. You hear me, uh, baby boy, baby girl? And tell Langston I said I love him too. But, 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 but I, I love them. I love them. And and here's the thing. I, I have to trust God. There, there's, there's going to be a day in time where I hope, Lord willing, barring no unfortunate situation, and I want to be sensitive to other families who might have unfortunate situations, but I hope that they're able to leave the house one day. And for those of you all who have kids, grown kids, uh, grandkids and all of that, you know, you, you, you would know this way better than I. But once they leave, you don't stop thinking about them, do you? No? Some of you are quiet. Some of you, <laughs> Some of you folks that got kids, <laughs> y'all are too quiet with that. Help, help me out. Help me out. But, but you, don't, you don't stop thinking about them. They're still your children, regardless of what good or bad they may do. They are your children, whatnot. And, and, and I would imagine as, as, as you all being children of God, that you are in a place where you're not simply trusting your parenting skills and how you have raised them, or how competent your children might be. But on some level, I hope that you're trusting God with your children. And and brothers and sisters, this should be the case for whatever we love. If you love your job, I don't know how many amens that might be. Uh, (laughs) Faith staff, you should say amen on that, I hope. (laughs) Let me quit playing, let me quit playing. We got to get to the, the the bread and the wine, but but whatever it is, you should be trusting whatever you love. You should trust God with these things, and you trust Him by by obvi- but not obviously, but you trust Him by committing uh, these things to Him in prayer and so on and so forth. You 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 trust Him by not uh, you. We are anxious. We can be anxious and we can worry about many things. But on some level, uh, when you're trusting God, that anxiety might come down a little bit. That might be a sign of you trusting God. But whatever it is that you love, God, we can trust Him with it. We might not be able to trust others with it. We had had someone uh, before... Uh, it was like, you know, uh, you, and, you and Stephanie, y'all should go out. They, they was communicating this to me. Y'all should go out sometime, and, and we would be, I would be willing to watch your kids and all of that, so go out. And knowing this person, you know, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I thank you for I didn't say this, but, you know, in my mind, thank you, but I don't trust you with children, my children. That's in my mind. But I tried to come up with a smooth pastoral way of, <laughs> without lying, of course. But, but th- th- there are certain folks that I wouldn't trust with certain things that I love. Don't cast your pearls. Now, that, let me not, that something else too. But you can trust God with your jobs, if you love your jobs. You can trust God with the people you love. You can trust God with whatever it is that you love. And so, brothers and sisters, I would remind us of that. The last thing, and again, this is applicational. The last thing, we should also not only, and this stems from the second point, but we should offer the things we love in the service of God. Again, Abraham takes his son, his only son, whom he loves. And he, puts, he offers him in the service of God. How is it that the things you love, how are these things being utilized for the service of God? How is it if you love your job? And again, I know this is, you have to think through this practically in terms as it relates to your own job. But how is it that God is honored even in your job? I'm not saying you necessarily have to go on your job and, hey, everybody, Jesus is king, and I went and offered my job before Christ. If you can do that, you can do that. But are you honoring him in how you reflect his image on your job? The resources that you have. Are they being utilized and served? Whatever it is that you love, and again, this is more for you to think about, for you to go home and say, how do I apply and think about these things? But whatever it is that we love, how do we put them into the service of the kingdom? Again, Abraham, Abraham saw Isaac, I would venture to say, as a gift from God. Abraham trusts God with his son whom he loves. Abraham puts his son whom he loves into service unto God. And brothers and sisters, this is what we should be doing with the things that we love. Again, there are plenty of things that I love. And I'm always challenged, how is God honored? In my love of these things, in my love of these people, how do I honor God with it? And Abraham passed the test. Abraham passed the test and know that God, you know, that's the beautiful thing. Whenever we serve God and whenever we do even what he asks us to do, when it doesn't make sense, we always come out the better for it. This is the principle of seek first the kingdom of God and all the things that you need will be added unto you. That's that's the principle here. And, 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 And this is what's happening with Abraham. Abraham passed a test, and God says, you know what? As a result of you passing the test, I'm going to, again, make your descendants great. All the nations are going to be blessed through you. So all that to say, whenever you do what God asks you to do, no matter how hard or difficult, it'll always turn out well. Whether in this life or the next It will turn out well. And brothers and sisters, I conclude with reminding you that God gives us things to enjoy and to love. But remember, we are to love them in light of our love for God. We'll see see a great love in the sacrifice of Christ here shortly. So let me pray, and then we'll transition to the supper. Father, we bless your most holy name, and Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture and we see great faith, we see uh, a difficult request, uh, we see provision made in light of obedience. Uh, Father, there are so many things that are in this text that are worth chewing upon, But, Father, we think about the things that you have given unto us, those things that we love, those things that we hold dearly to. This could be our jobs, family members or friends. This could be certain activities that we enjoy. For one, Lord, we thank you so much for the things that you have given unto us to enjoy. And we pray, Father, that your Spirit would help us to love these things in light of our love for you. And Father, in Abraham's case, you were calling him to get rid of something he loves. And Father, if for some reason that is a request that you have for us, whatever it may be, help us to have faith enough to trust you and to believe you. It's a job we love, a city we love. Uh, An activity that we love, that you are requesting, help us to be able to follow you in that. But Father, we trust you, we believe you, we thank you, and Father, as we transition even now to the supper, and we think further along the lines of sacrifice, help us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.